Is Dylan Carlson competing for his job in center field? And if so, why? This is Locked on Cardinals. You are Locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Cardinals fans. I'm J.D. Hafford, and I'm a national radio sports anchor, born and raised in the Lou, and a lifetime Cardinals fan, and I'm your host for Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. You can follow me on Twitter at J.D. Sports Radio. You can follow the podcast at LO underscore Cardinals. I want to thank those of you who make Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe and comment. That way you can interact with us, hit the notification button so you know when those new episodes are being posted. This is a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans in baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat. Position battles, they happen in spring training. Sometimes you have a veteran who's slated to start at a certain position, but you got an up-and-coming younger player. That person shines in camp and takes that job away from the veteran. We sort of saw that happen with Albert Pujols back in the day. He did it to Bobby Bonilla in 2001. Remember, Bonilla suffers, uh, I believe it was a hamstring injury. I know it was a leg injury back uh, that in 2001. And that allows Albert Pujols to make the opening day roster. And he just took over left field and never gave Bobby Bonilla his job back. And uh, goes on to have a, a Hall of Fame career, which, you know, just wrapped up last season in case you were, you know, stuck under a rock somewhere. Uh, speaking of Albert, I do want to point this out in case you guys were wondering why you haven't seen Albert Pujols in Jupiter around the Cardinals so far uh, this spring. It's because he's actually at Angels camp and he's a guest instructor because he's got to fulfill that 10-year personal service contract with the franchise. Uh, it's also been said that Albert's going to help out uh, with the younger players at the Angels Academy in the Dominican Republic. So, as a uh, selfish individual, I think that sucks. <laughs> you know, I'd I'd rather see him working with the Cardinals and hanging out with the Cardinals, but um, it is what it is. This is this is part of the deal that he signed with the Angels when he left, so he's got to fulfill it. So this is year one of ten before uh, you know he can help out the Cardinals, and who knows if he would even want to do that in a decade from now. So um, back to the main subject today. Uh, there's also position battles that you know have to deal with multiple veterans competing for one job. You see that in the bullpen a lot or multiple young players who are competing for one spot on the roster who are just hoping to make the opening day roster. It happens every spring. You can take this spring, for instance. You've got your number one prospect, Jordan Walker, competing to make the opening day roster. And with the World Baseball Classic, he's going to get plenty of opportunities to prove that he can make the jump from double A to the big league. So that's certainly something that you know we're going to keep our eye on. <laughs> this spring and the odds are if he makes the team he'll take one of the outfield spots when he does it right that's what we're all thinking will happen and most assume that walker would be in right field if he does in fact win a spot that just seems like the spot that he'll he'll take over where he can uh you know as he's learning to play outfield he can do the least damage <laughs> as far as screwing things up if he were to miss a fly ball or you know something of that nature so that means that this whole time we're assuming that Lars Newbar is going to lose some at-bats because Lars Newbar is your right fielder, right? Au contraire, mon frere. 
We don't really know exactly who's playing where just yet. Some interesting news came out late yesterday and then has been talked about a lot on the wires today. Uh, topic of discussion was that perhaps Newbar isn't going to play right field now. And maybe Tyler O'Neill isn't going to play in left field. Apparently, all three of these guys, Lars Newbar, Tyler O'Neill, and Dylan Carlson, who's supposed to be your center fielder, are all competing in camp right now to play center field. All three of them are competing. That apparently is what's going on. And I had assumed that Dylan Carlson was your center fielder this whole time. I just thought that's what was going to happen. So where did this all come from? Well, Derek Gold from stltoday.com pointed out in a recent write-up that on Monday during the first official day of full squad workouts that the team was doing their pop-up priority drill where the players track down fly balls. They got to call it. They work on their communication with each other and obviously work on tracking fly balls in the outfield just in general. And Gould said that in that drill, Tyler O'Neill was lined up with Dylan Carlson as a center fielder. That is interesting news. Very interesting to say the least, because it's no secret that O'Neill is going to play center field for Team Canada in the World Baseball Classic. We do know that. So you could chalk this up as him just getting a few reps to prepare for the WBC as well as the Cardinals season. I mean, after all, he did play center field in 21 games last year, and he did it to perfection. He didn't make an error last year. Not one single error, only had 31 chances, but he didn't make an error. Or is there something more to this? Because apparently there is. When manager Ali Marmol was asked about this, he responded with, quote, he's competing for the center field job. He came into camp wanting that. He came up through our minor league system and actually profiled as a pretty good center fielder. So it's something that he wants and he's going to compete for and he's going to have an opportunity to do. Say what? Okay, okay, hold on. Remember now, Tyler O'Neill, two-time Gold Glove Award winner in left field and was vying for a third last year when the injuries took over because there was no inkling that his defense would suffer last year, that it would get bad all of a sudden. He had won two in a row, was going to go for a third. Injuries happen. Couldn't compete enough to qualify for the gold glove in left field. But he's going to be 28 in June, so he's not old. He's still in the prime of his career. But normally, you don't go from a corner infield spot and then move to center field at the age of 28. It's usually the other way around. You're getting older, and you move from center field to one of the corner spots as you start to slow down a little bit. Um, that's not what's happening here. That's not what's happening at all. In his time in center field last year, he looked more than capable of handling himself. And we know about the elite speed that uh, uh, Tyler O'Neill owns. It would be quite a weapon in center field, right? Watching him track down fly balls. I mean, the way Harrison Bader did it before. Harrison Bader, elite speed as well. And if memory serves, he's not quite as fast as Tyler O'Neill is. He's up there, but he's not quite as fast as O'Neill is. Um, but when it comes down to tracking balls in the gaps and to the deeper spots of the ballpark, speed is huge. Speed is great. As a corner outfielder, you don't really have um, as much room to show it off. You're a bit limited on how much range you can, range you can show because the center fielder is the captain out in the outfield. And um, his job is if he can get to a ball – 
it's his job to call off the corner guys and, and take control out there. O'Neal is the fastest guy in the outfield. Out of all of the outfielders they have in camp, he is the fastest one. So it makes sense to put him in that role where he can run and get anything that he can. The downside to playing center field is that you are running all over the place consistently. The physicality of playing center field as opposed to one of the corners is much greater. You're involved in a, in a lot more plays because you have to be that guy that is backing up the corner outfield guy. And in any ball that's hit into the gaps, you're boom, you're off, you're running, and you're going after those suckers. So you're doing a lot more running. It's your responsibility to um, either catch that ball or, like I said, you got to back up the uh, corner outfielder who's going forward as well in case it scoots past them. The body takes more of a beating in center field because you're doing a lot more. And we just saw O'Neal deal with a flurry of leg injuries last year, and he spent the whole offseason working on his flexibility. We've heard about that to prevent such things from happening again. But if he's in center field, the odds of him pulling something would go up dramatically, wouldn't it? Just the odds of you running as much as you are in something to, to catch, I feel like the odds would go up on that. So I don't know if that's exactly a great idea. And then the other question that I have is, what does this competition say about Dylan Carlson, who I assumed was set to be the starting center fielder this year? And now you've got them competing with him for the center field job. We're going to talk about that aspect of this next on Locked on Cardinals. Now, if you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the nasty fat and the gross calories, you got to try a Bill Bar. All right, I'm telling you, it's worth it. If your goal is to eat healthier this year, but you've still got that craving for something sweet, Built Bar is exactly what you need. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. Not fake stuff, real chocolate. And they come in delicious flavors. So many of them. Churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. The peanut butter brownie, by far my favorite one. Love it. Love me some peanut butter. You put that with chocolate. How is that not good? Um... You get this candy bar taste. You get the candy bar flavor, you know, that, that your brain is looking for, but you don't have to deal with all the all the bad stuff that goes along with it. Only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, very low, but you get a whopping 17 grams of protein. So if you're one of those people who's trying to make gains at the gym right now, you know, the rule of thumb is you need to eat and consume as much protein as your body weight is. That's what you're supposed to do, at least that amount. This is a way to uh, add to that. 17 grams of protein right there. And you don't have to wait and get them from Built.com anymore, which you can still do if you want to, but you can also go to your local Walmart or a Sam's Club. Head to the nearest Walmart today. Walk into that pharmacy section. Grab yourself a four-bar box of cookies and cream. They've got double chocolate. they got coconut puffs. If you don't like those and you want to go to a Sam's Club instead, grab that 13-bar box with uh, Hit Flavors, Brownie Batter, and Churro. Why not? And as always, you can find out about the new flavors and all the information about Built Bars by going to their website, which is Built.com. So check that out today. After Gold Glove winning center fielder Harrison Bader was traded to the Yankees, the Cardinals immediately moved Dylan Carlson back to his natural position of center field. That's where he had played normally until he got up to the major leagues because you had Bader in center field. So Carlson did what he needed to do, and that was slide over to the right field 
And with O'Neill in left, they had two-thirds of the gold glove winners in the outfield in the National League in 2021. And Carlson has played very good defensively since he was called up. Um, that was 2020 when he uh, finally made his arrival on the roster. Hasn't won any gold gloves or anything, but he's been very good. Uh, he's played a bunch in both right field and center. In his first full year in 2021, he appeared in center in 60 games, actually, 59 of those starts. And I'm sorry, I'm going to apologize now, but we have to get a little bit nerdy uh, on the episode here because we got to talk about some stats. Defensive stats are super nerdy. But that year, 2021, 986 fielding percentage, but in defensive runs saved, he was a minus two. Now, zero when it comes to defensive runs saved is average. That's middle of the road. So he's minus two. Uh, DRS is the you know abbreviation for defensive runs saved. Uh, what it does is it quantifies a player's entire defensive performance by attempting to measure how many runs a defender saved. So it takes into account your errors, your range in the outfield, the arm, double playability, all of that smushed together, and they come up with the number. So to put that into perspective, the same year when Bader won the gold glove in center field, 2021, his DRS was plus 15, which is outstanding. If one through 10 is really, really good, 10 and above is like off the charts outstanding. Tyler O'Neill in his two gold glove campaigns of 2020 and 2021 in left field had a DRS of nine, and then it was an 11. Both of those are great. So Dylan Carlson was minus two in center in 2021, but he was a plus three in right field. Last year, things flipped a little bit. In right field, his DRS was a minus five, which is not good. But over in center field, he was a plus six. So it's not like, you know, Dylan hasn't been good in center field or right field for that matter, but he's been good in both. But the eyeball test, just watching games last year, which we've got all these stats, we've got all the analytics, but just watching the game, you could see Dylan Carlson was very comfortable in center field. He liked it. He loved playing center field. When the Bader trade happened and they gave him the keys to that outfield, he ran with it and unfortunately ended up getting hurt. But he looked good in center field. And the team didn't really miss a beat when it came to defense when he was out there in center. You know, losing Bader, you would think there'd be some drop-off, and there really wasn't. So why are we doing this suddenly? Like, what? what is this? What, what, what's the point of all this? Well, in Lynn Worthy's article on stltoday.com, it says that Tyler O'Neill was actually the person who approached the team about playing more center field. The quote that's in this article says, from O'Neill, I'd love to play center field. I'm not trying to boot anybody away from that position either, but it's whatever they deem fit. I know they're very analytically driven here. I just want to be the best player that I can be. I've worked really hard this offseason at increasing my first step quickness and making sure my legs can be under me. I believe I can definitely play that position if that's where they want me. Now, first, before we uh, <clears throat> move on this, did you guys see the picture of Tyler O'Neill? Look at his muscles on YouTube. Now, we know Tyler O'Neill's been a, a weightlifter since he came up with the Cardinals. We know that, but holy smokes. It's like, like his shirt's painted onto him right there. Pretty darn buff. Some of the locked on hosts in our, um, we've got a, our own little chat that we all talk about. And they were like, is this necessary for him to be this big? And I'm like, he's always been this big. He's a monster. But what he was working on this year was the, the flexibility in his legs and stuff. It really wasn't the upper body that was getting hurt so much last year. It was more the legs. But anyway, 
So to go back to Tyler O'Neill's quote real quick, where he says, um, I'm not trying to boot anybody away from that position either. Wait, what? You're not trying to boot anyone from the position. Your buddy Dylan Carlson is in center field. What do you mean you're not trying to boot him? Like Carlson was just fine there. So thinking about this even more, here's what I've come up with. And I don't know if this is true or false. But I wonder if this has something to do with his arbitration case. And if playing center field means he's up to make more money. That's what I'm coming out with here. That's what I think is going on. I And I could be wrong. I would assume it's true that a center fielder makes more than a left fielder or a right fielder when it comes to stating your case in arbitration. Like, I wonder if that was a thing that the Cardinals brought up. Well, you only play left field. So he's like, all right, well, put me in center then. I'll play center field. If that will help his cause when trying to get his next contract and make more money. But personally, I'm a... Uh, if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it kind of guy. And with O'Neill healthy and in left field, Carlson comfortable and healthy in center field, plus Lars out there and right, which they they talk about that Lars is also in competition for the center field job. He's going to play there, I guess, at some point. You know, he'll get some innings. But I don't think Lars is going to be your starter. I think he's great in right field. He was a plus three there last year. The Cardinals will have one of the best defensive outfields in all of baseball if you line it up that way. O'Neill in left, Carlson center, Lars Newbar in right field. They will. Why go screwing around with that and putting the most often injured guy who could barely play that last year because he got hurt so much, put him in, at risk by placing him in the more demanding spot of center field? Why would you do that? That's my question. I don't I don't get it. Now, granted, like I said, there will be times where players are going to need days off and injuries will force some reshuffling. So to have O'Neill, Carlson, and Newbar, all three of them with the ability to play all three outfield positions. That's awesome. That's great. But I don't understand why we're tinkering with this and giving off the idea that if O'Neill outplays Carlson, that he's going to be your center fielder this year. I just, I can't wrap my head around it. Why that's such a great idea. It just seems a bit unnecessary in, in my opinion. I'm all for some friendly competition. Let's face it. Guys love it. Guys thrive off competition with each other. But in the grand scheme of things, I want O'Neill in left, Carlson in center, and Newbar in right. I want Newbar's cannon of an arm in right field so that he can make that long throw to third base to try to cut down some runners this year. That's what I want. And if when Jordan Walker makes this team, I want him in right field. That's where he belongs. He's got a thunderbolt for a right arm as well. Stick him out there. That way he can make that long throw to third base. You know, why are, why are we putting Carlson or Tyler O'Neill in right field again? Like, don't need to. Put them over left and center where they belong, in my opinion. Leave new bar and right. Live happily ever after. At least that's my thoughts. Um, up next, the floor is yours. Real quick, we're going to show another picture of uh, the outfielders on YouTube. Look at them all. They're all smiley. There's Dylan on the right. O'Neal in, uh, in the middle there. Newt Barr looking super tall. 
doing their thing. They're uh, they're they're smiling. They're having a good time. So it doesn't look like um, there's any animosity over all of this. But I don't know. Somebody's trying to take your job. I'm, I feel a bit threatened, wouldn't you? Anyway, like I said, up next, the floor is yours. I've uh, got some fan reactions to yesterday's episode about Jack Flaherty and whether or not fans even want him around after this season, even if he has a good season. We'll do that next on Locked on Cardinals. The midway point of the NBA season is here. And now is the perfect time for you to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. All you have to do is download the FanBook Sports app, uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, very easy to use, very user-friendly. And then you can bet on everything, whether it's the money line to point score to three-pointers made in a game. It's all there for you. I like smaller bets. I like making a bunch of smaller bets and seeing how many I can get right. How the first bucket of the game is scored is my my personal favorite one. Layup, three-pointers, dunks, free throws, however it goes in. You place a little bet on that, add them all up, and it's fun for the whole family, (laughs) right? Um, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at bigger payouts with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. My question for yesterday's episode about Jack Flaherty was this. If uh, Jack has a solid season this year, stays healthy, are you signing him long-term or are you going to let him walk? He's had a few years of bad injury luck. Some people don't like the way he talks on social media. Are you keeping him around if he has a good year this year? Or do you say sayonara? Again, uh, the narrative I see from a lot of people that I'm getting is that he doesn't like it in St. Louis and wants to leave anyways, which I still, nobody's given me any proof yet. When I ask people online, like, why do you think that? Eh, gut feeling. He just seems like he doesn't like it. He's never actually said, I don't want to be in St. Louis, but people think that he wants to leave. That's your opinion. Uh, let's go through a couple of these. Uh, Roderick Neely said, we've all been waiting for Blackjack to regain the form of a few years back and become the ace we desperately need. Since it's his free agent year, I'm betting he puts up a stellar year to increase his chances of a big contract. And if he does, we're all going to be digging it. If we're able to keep him with the birds on the bat, it will be a miracle. All we can hope for in Cardinals Nation is that the pitching staff outperforms expectations for us to even have a chance at going farther than the first round of the playoffs. Um, Yeah, (laughs) I I don't disagree with any of that. Uh, The staff does not really strike much fear in anyone. And like I've said before, I think their plan here is to win the division, which I think the starting rotation is good enough to do something like that. When we get to the playoffs, are they good enough to, you know, beat some of these top aces that pitch for other teams? That's that's the problem. So when they win this division, I should say if if they win this division, I think the idea here is to, while that's happening, gauge the market for a top-of-the-line pitcher who might become available. Because by that point, you might think differently about a number of players that are on your current roster and in the minor leagues in your system, and you might deem some of them more expendable by that point to make a move like that and make a trade. Uh, Kems says, 
I'm sure after his arbitration hearing, he's not staying with the cards. I think it's pretty clear he doesn't seem too happy here. See? Uh, plus, I'm sure he wants to play closer to home. So in a California team, really. But it isn't all bad news with it being his free agent season. I expect him to have a very good season. Otherwise, he won't get paid. If he does, it's probably best to trade him at the deadline because he won't resign. Well, his trade value right now is in the toilet because he hasn't pitched in the last couple of years, really. Uh, the injuries have done that to him. So he certainly is going to have to have a bigger year for anyone to want to acquire him via trade. But my question for you is, if the Cardinals are winning and are headed to the playoffs, riding a resurgent Jack Flaherty, why would you trade him? You only trade him if you're out of contention. And if he's having a good year, the odds are that your team is probably having a good year as well. Uh, Jay Swan 2390 says, I think Jack is for sure gone after this year. He's going to demand as much money as possible, and we're not going to be the ones to give it to him. Either San Diego, LA, the Mets, the Yankees, Toronto, so many other teams will pay him more. I would trade him by the trade deadline. Again, if you're in first place or in the wild card hunt, are you still trading him? Because you don't have a choice. You either have to trade him then or the way you all think here is that he's just going to walk at the end of the year anyway. So if you're winning, are you okay with trading him? Just, we remember what happened last year with Milwaukee, right? You don't want to make that bonehead mistake. The Brewers did it last year. They trade Josh Hader. They shake up a team that at the time looked like they were going to go to the playoffs. In fact, I believe they were winning the NL Central at the time they made the trade. And then they folded like a lawn chair after they uh, dealt their very popular uh, closer. People loved him in their clubhouse. They traded him because of money and contract issues, and it ruined the rest of their season. So I don't want to see the Cardinals make that mistake. But again, all of this is a mute point if Jack Flaherty doesn't pitch well and doesn't have a good year, which we're all hoping he does. Because if he's doing good, the Cardinals are probably doing good. All right. Appreciate all the responses, you guys. Once again, thanks you, thank you for making uh, Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked on MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Uh, if you haven't already, be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. You can follow on Twitter at LO underscore Cardinals and at JD Sports Radio. You are the best fans in baseball for a reason, and I'll see you next time. Unlocked on Cardinals.